prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. We have a great show planned for you today. They're all great shows. So today we're going to be joined by Ari Witten to discuss whether or not adrenal fatigue is a real thing. Um, he's got some really interesting opinions about it, and quite frankly, a lot of his opinions I agree with, and I think that uh, it's an important discussion to have. Before we get started, I have to thank our title sponsor, All American Pharmaceuticals and EFX Sports. Right now, you get six of their top-selling products absolutely free by going to superhumanradio.net and clicking the EFX Sports banner ad, enter your name and address. You will pay $5 and change for shipping, but that is the true shipping charge, and you'll receive six of their most exciting products, protein powders, pre-workouts, advanced uh, creatine product, and even an advanced uh carbohydrate supplement, Carbolin, because Dr. Jeff Galini believes that no one should buy anything until they try it first. Ari Witten, how you doing? I am excellent. How are you, Carl? Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. So every now and then I see an article about a dream. Well, wait, wait, before we do that, I have to tell people your background first. So, so what what made you interested in energy uh in the human condition to begin with? Were you, did you have problems when you were young or anything like that? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. I'll, uh, I'll give you the super quick version so we can spend as much time as possible uh, talking about, you know, kind of the science rather than my personal story. But um, I, uh, I've been interested in nutrition and, and fitness since I was very young, literally about 14 years old. And, you know, typical teenage boy stuff, uh, you know, I wanted biceps and abs to get girls. And uh, my older brother was a, a personal trainer and uh, a bodybuilder. And so I kind of was into that whole stuff. And um, and, and I, I think I was uniquely obsessed and maybe uniquely gifted for, for my capacity to understand that stuff from a very early age. And I mean, really obsessed, maybe, maybe slightly on the spectrum level of obsessed. Uh, you know, I was I think I was reading college level physiology and, and nutrition textbooks by the time I was 15 or so. Wow. And, uh, and, and I've really been studying it ever since I'm 35 now and the obsession has continued now for, for over 20 years. Uh, so my, my interest for a lot of those years early on was very fitness, fat loss, muscle gain focused. Uh, but then in my mid twenties, I got uh, mononucleosis, uh, sometimes called in other countries the kissing disease or um, glandular fever. It's it's basically it's usually Epstein Barr virus, and um, and that knocked me on my ass. Basically, I, I was pretty incapacitated by that for about six months, and I, I developed basically what was chronic fatigue syndrome. And uh, I, I realized, you know, I was a young, fit guy, had been an athlete all my life. And I, I realized that when you have no energy, your life really sucks. <laughs> it, it gets bad really fast. And pretty much everything suffers 
to an extreme degree, your relationships, your ability to, to perform in your job, you know, friendships, family, girls, everything suffers in your life when you don't have energy. And, um, that's what put it on my map. It sort of in my head, which, which made me shift my focus away from, you know, the fit fitness and fat loss and muscle gain stuff, uh, you know, towards an obsession with energy levels and kind of building out a science of that. And there were other, you know, stops on this road. I did a bachelor's degree in kinesiology, went to medical school for two years, realized I hated it, then went to a PhD program, did all three years of PhD program in clinical psychology, and then decided not to pursue a, 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 um, a, a career in, talk in, in clinical psychotherapy and instead to do what I do now, which is start, you know, the Energy Blueprint brand. Um, so, I, you know, there's kind of formal education and certifications and all this kind of stuff mixed into that. But really, it, it, it's just been this obsession with the science of energy levels. And then, what, and, and we can talk more about this, but when I got... When I started to really dig into this stuff, I, I found that, you know, conventional medicine doesn't really have much to offer most people dealing with chronic low energy levels and fatigue. In 90% in plus of cases, they're not going to find any, any particular diagnosable condition. So most of these people are kind of, you know, if they go to a conventional doctor, they're just not. Yeah, but, be- but I, I want to I I say something there. I, sure. I, I really would challenge a medical orthodoxy. The idea that they can't find uh, or they choose not to really look, I think, is a distinguishing factor in that designation because chronic fatigue is a, is a broad umbrella. It's a symptom. Yes. And, and, it, and, and the etiology of it can be varied from one person to the other. And because of that, the medical orthodoxy ignores it because it, it's just too – too much trouble to figure out the six different potential things that are mm-hmm. contributing to a person's chronic disease, uh, uh, I mean, a, a, a chronic fatigue syndrome, and it's just easier to give them a drug like gabapentin, which makes them numb to life, and they don't even realize that they're missing anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, very true, and, and also I would add that for a long time, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia were thought within conventional medicine by, by most most conventional medical doctors to be basically hypochondria. They, they didn't even recognize it as a real condition um, because in the vast majority of cases, nothing shows up on a standard blood test. So they basically said, hey, nothing's wrong with you. Uh, the reason that you're debilitated and in, in bed and can't move and can't function is, is just either that you're depressed or you're a hypochondriac. And it's really only been, I'd say, in the last 10 years that science has really started to identify some of these layers of dysfunction and, and done various kinds of tests where they've now figured out that, hey, this is actually a very real thing and, and this isn't just hypochondria. Um, so that, that's one layer. And then, you know, I kind of I've always been into the natural health world since I was a, a, a young teenage kid. Um, and then, so I kind of believed in the whole adrenal fatigue story. I was teaching that for many years. You know, this wasn't at all that I came into this skeptical of adrenal fatigue. I was a huge proponent of adrenal fatigue for many, many years. And then, um, ironically, it was actually kind of how conventional medicine brushes off adrenal fatigue as pseudoscience and nonsense that made me kind of want to prove them wrong and dig into the science and, and prove that adrenal fatigue is a real thing. 
And when I tried to dig into the science, basically I found that the science did not support the uh, the theory of adrenal fatigue. Well, so, so let, let, let's address clinical adrenal fatigue, which is usually like Addison's disease or something like that. And this is a, this is a complete failure of the adrenal glands. And they they cease to produce adequate amounts of uh, cortisol. Uh, they cease to produce adequate amounts of DHEA. In women, they cease to contribute estrogen production. Uh, in men, they cease to c- contribute uh, testosterone production, small amounts of testosterone made in the adrenal glands. So when we see what would be categorized as true adrenal insufficiency, we see a lack of these hormones on a diurnal basis throughout the day. But what most people consider adrenal fatigue is, is in my humble opinion, and I'm asking you this question, is really dysregulation because they have high cortisol levels at night, which means the adrenals seem to work fine at night. Yeah, well, there's so there's a lot of layers in what you just said. And and one thing that I, I want to do is let's not conflate true adrenal insufficiency or Addison's disease with adrenal fatigue because they yes. are absolutely not the same thing and, and, and really totally unrelated. So true adrenal insufficiency is a real thing. Um, and it's also an extremely rare thing that has nothing to do with uh, you know, with with basically burnout syndrome or chronic fatigue syndrome, the, the we don't see true adrenal insufficiency uh, or or Addison's disease in that context. These these are unrelated conditions. Right. So in, in, adrenal insufficiency absolutely does exist. It's a rare condition and is really not related to this discussion almost at all. Because um, you know, if you have true adrenal insufficiency, basically you're going to need to take medication for that. And, and that's what you need to pursue. Obviously you should also try nutrition and lifestyle interventions and so on. But my discussion here and my analysis of the research is not about true adrenal insufficiency. It's basically about this whole concept of adrenal fatigue, which is the idea that chronic stress of various kinds, uh, sort of tax the adrenal glands, which are part of the stress response system that produce a hormone called cortisol. And that over time, that chronic stress sort of wears out the adrenal glands. And then as a result of that, you get low cortisol levels. And then those low cortisol levels result in the symptoms that are claimed for this, this, uh, this, this disease called adrenal fatigue or the syndrome called adrenal fatigue, which is characterized by, you know, depression and anxiety and obviously fatigue and low libido and sleep issues and cravings for sugary and salty foods. And these are kind of the things that are claimed as symptoms of this syndrome, adrenal fatigue. But again, the idea is chronic stress wears out the adrenal glands, then you get these symptoms. And so that is absolutely not related to true adrenal insufficiency or Addison's disease. And, um, and yeah, hopefully, so that's the first layer that I, that I want to clarify is that we're talking about Adrenal fatigue, not true adrenal insufficiency, which is a very rare thing. Right. Okay. What What was the other thing in my the context of what I stated? I, I kind of tried to set the table in this idea that people who seem to suffer from adrenal fatigue, when they do a diurnal cortisol test, what we see is low morning cortisol, but very high evening cortisols, which in and of itself would disqualify the concept of fatigue because fatigue means not producing and in reality, they are producing. They're just producing it at the wrong times of the day. 
Yeah. So, well, so there's there's even a couple layers of nuance here. So go, go. One, one is in cases where people with, let's say, burnout syndrome or chronic fatigue syndrome or, you know, there's a few other recognized fatigue syndromes that actually have research on them as opposed to adrenal fatigue. We can talk more about that. But, um, you know, the vital exhaustion and stress-related exhaustion disorder, there's research on these things looking at cortisol levels in those conditions. So first of all, I want to be clear that virtually all of that research finds perfectly normal cortisol levels in people with these conditions. So that's the first big layer to understand. Interesting. Because that, 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 that disqualifies the whole concept that the adrenals are contributing to this problem at that point. Exactly right. And that's, you know, basically when, when research is clearly not able to show a difference in cortisol levels between people with, let's say, full-blown stress-related <laughs> or burnout syndrome or chronic fatigue syndrome and normal healthy people without any of those symptoms, what that is clearly telling you is that adrenals and uh, abnormal adrenal function or cortisol levels cannot possibly be the cause of those symptoms. Like, you know, to, to rephrase this, let's imagine there's some condition with these sets of symptoms that say, let's say you have a, a itchy left knee and pain in your right big toe and, you know, you wake up at 3.30 a.m. every morning and whatever five other specific symptom criteria. And then somebody has a theory that says, I believe these this constellation of symptoms is caused by this specific virus, you know, the Coxsackie B virus or whatever. OK, and then let's imagine. So all, all of that sounds great. This sounds like a totally legitimate theory. Then let's imagine there's 25 years of research exploring whether those symptoms are caused by that virus and virtually all of that research finds that in people with those symptoms they have they do not have that virus present what we would immediately conclude is that this virus cannot possibly be the cause of these symptoms right so i mean the, the whole theory would immediately be, be discarded by anybody who is intellectually honest and who's actually who actually cares about the science so what I'm saying is that basically this exact thing has occurred when it comes to adrenal fatigue. We have over 20 years of research of people exploring the link between these fatigue syndromes and cortisol levels. The vast majority of that research finds that in the vast majority of pe people, they have perfectly normal cortisol levels and HPA axis function. That's hypothalamic pituitary adrenal function. And, and it is indistinguishable from normal, healthy people without these conditions. So anybody who is taking an intellectually honest look at that research will not conclude, cannot possibly conclude, that uh, abnormal adrenal function or cortisol levels are the cause of these conditions. Okay, so let me ask you a question. So about eight years ago, I did an interview with a scientist who was pointing out a new type of, uh, of heart failure that was uh, pre precipitated through excessive cortisol levels and norepinephrine levels for long periods of time, causing the cardiomyocytes to become less responsive due to uh, glucocorticoid receptor, either downregulation or insensitivity. So we, we, we often talk about hormone levels in the blood, but we know that there's receptors that make the magic happen. Could this phenomenon 
actually be more related to uh, changes in the landscape of the effectiveness of cortisol, not necessarily the presence of cortisol? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, I, I, yeah, I have a couple things I would say in response to that. So, yes, it is possible to have some abnormalities at the receptor level uh, and, and issues there and cortisol resistance and things like that. However, I think overall what the body of evidence suggests is that the role of cortisol as a primary cause of most, most disease, including you know the various fatigue syndromes, has been way overblown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the, the second layer to this story is that, interestingly, if you actually look at the research on, on chronic stress and, and, if, and what it does to cortisol levels, contrary to what the adrenal fatigue theory predicts, which is that chronic stress wears out the adrenal glands and results in, it results in low cortisol levels, if you look at virtually all of the research on chronic stress and and or chronic diseases of various kinds, so like various kinds of cancers and heart disease and, um, you know, schizophrenia and you name it, like any particular disease or any form of chronic stress, chronic pain, anything like that. In general, what that research finds is either normal cortisol levels or slightly elevated cortisol levels. It almost never finds lowered cortisol levels. So, now, now, having said that, what, what you're talking about here is, and, and what a lot of the research legitimately is talking about, is negative effects, detrimental effects from elevated cortisol levels over a prolonged period of time. And, and there is actually a definitely a legitimate element to that, which is, yes, if you do have chronic stressors or chronic pain or, or things like that that are elevating cortisol levels all the time for months and years... Uh, that absolutely can be expected to result in various kinds of, of, of detrimental effects, including what you know this guy is specifically looking at with regards to heart health. Interesting. We, we have to take a quick commercial break. This is getting fascinating. I have to gather my notes because it's, it's really intriguing. And the reality is that a large portion of the population today suffers from some form of chronic fatigue, including myself, since I... Uh, ended up with iron overload, which is a contributor to chronic fatigue, by the way, but it has some hallmark symptoms that make it easy to diagnose. We're talking with Ari Witten. His website is a, a plethora of great information, theenergyblueprint.com. There's a complete article with video uh, about is, is adrenal fatigue real, that's worth your attention if you think you suffer from adrenal fatigue. Because the sooner you... Uh, eliminate the idea that adrenal fatigue is the reason you feel the way you do, then you can actually start chasing potential real reasons that you feel the way you do. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For the past four months, I've been keeping a secret. Every night at bedtime, I tape my mouth shut with Somnifix strips. That's right, and here's why. Whether you snore or not, at some point in the night, almost all of us start breathing through our mouth. Since I've started using Somnifix strips, I've noticed that I sleep deeper and have seen improvements in my health, fitness, and cognitive function. That's because nose breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and improves nitric oxide production. And that leads to improved sleep, immunity, carbon dioxide, 
dioxide, oxygen exchange, and much more. Oh, and if you do snore, it'll help you stop snoring. Try Somnifix risk-free. Go to somnifix.com forward slash SHR. Get a free trial pack of Somnifix strips today. The benefits of a ketogenic diet are immeasurable. Health, resist disease, mental function, and even performance. But getting into ketosis can take weeks, if even at all. Now you can get into ketosis in 10 minutes. Keto Kena is the first ketone powder that has been clinically shown to switch you into a ketogenic state by providing a rush of ketones into the bloodstream. Like to train fasted or want to spare more muscle glycogen during workouts? Take a shot of Keto Kena and hit it hard. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Keto Kena banner ad today new mass pro synthogen x2 just upped its own legendary game to distance itself even further from the rest of the pack synthogen x2 now has double the key active ingredients if you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like synthogen x2 delivers see why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at synthogen.com mass pro synthogen when you train with it you'll gain with it Mitochondrial uncoupling is the holy grail of fat loss. Making mitochondria work harder raises body temperature and metabolic rate without the jitters of stimulants. Now there is an over-the-counter mitochondrial uncoupler that will let you shred your body down to the last pounds of body fat. It's Trojan Horse. This is the supplement breakthrough of the decade. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Trojan Horse banner ad. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your order today. BlackstoneLabs.com. Trojan Horse. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You, too, can benefit from Live On Labs' lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. This is the Superhuman Channel, where we use oxygen for the power of good. Welcome back. Okay, so obviously your digging around has to have shown you um, some points that you can connect uh, that maybe apply to a large majority of people who think that they suffer from adrenal fatigue, right? Yes, definitely. And, and we can go there and we can talk about, you know, I'm sure some people listening are wondering that, that they're probably saying, well, I've actually had my salivary cortisol tested and it showed that I do have low morning cortisol levels. So what's the cause of that? And, right. and we, can, right. we, can, we can certainly talk about that as, as well. Um, so one, one thing that I do want to mention before we get into that is that I, I've actually done, and you mentioned my, my article on my site, I've done literally the most comprehensive analysis of the research on the subject that has ever been done. And uh, I've compiled literally every study that has ever been conducted on the subject of the relationship between cortisol levels and HPA axis function and these, these fatigue syndromes. I've compiled them all on in that article on my site and including the screenshots of the actual graphs, the quotes of the conclusions of, of the studies and, and things like that. So it's all there. So if anybody's skeptical of, of this conclusion and you know they really believe in adrenal fatigue, I would really strongly encourage you to go through all of those studies for yourself. I've already done the months of hard work to 
to, you know, compile all that information and dig through thousands of studies to find that. They're all there. There's about 79 studies. Um, I have the conclusions from all of them, as well as the conclusions of like the big picture of all the, the systematic literature reviews, uh, which is the highest level of scientific evidence where they're c compiling all of the relevant studies. So that's all there for people if they want to explore it. Um, I do want to mention, you know, just like a few examples of, of, of specific research that has, has, has shown what I'm talking about. So there was a, a study from 2015 titled, uh, you know, no, art, no alterations in diurnal cortisol profiles before and during treatment in patients with stress-related exhaustion. And they said, quote, diurnal salivary cortisol give a rather poor reflection of the prolonged stress exposure experienced by patients with exhaustion disorder. Uh, such cortisol measurements do not seem suitable as biomarkers for stress-related conditions, such as exhaustion disorder or burnout. There's another one called the neurobiology of burnout. They said, quote, there is no HPA axis dysregulation in burnout. Uh, another one titled clinical burnout is not reflected in the cortisol awakening response. They said, quote, we concluded that HPA axis functioning in clinically diagnosed burnout participants seems to be normal. Another systematic review I'll mention called biomarkers in burnout. So they compiled all of the data looking at cortisol levels in people with burnout syndrome. They said when taken together among all the studies that investigated HPA axis function and burnout, Three of those studies support an increase in HPA axis functions. That means elevated morning cortisol levels. Five support a decrease in morning cortisol levels. And 11, so 11 of the uh, 19 studies here, did not find any differences whatsoever in people with burnout syndrome versus normal, healthy people without these conditions. So I just want to mention some specific research, you know, that, that people can go and look at for themselves. You can see the conclusions are absolutely supporting uh, what I'm saying and that any intellectually honest look at the evidence will show you that the evidence just does not support the idea that, that abnormal adrenal function or cortisol levels are causing these symptoms. So that's all there for anybody who wants to explore it. Well, but you, well, you know why none of this surprises me? While you're going through this list, I'm thinking to myself, let's let's talk for briefly about what cortisol actually does. Sure. So everybody thinks that the cortisol is the answer to um, fatigue issues, but the reality is that it's epinephrine and norepinephrine that play a larger role in liberating uh, cellular energy. And cortisol, if anybody knows what corticosteroids do, Cortisol is a bigger player in, uh, in, in unleashing part of the immune response. Um, and, and I've learned this myself. Here, here's an interesting um, example of cortisol. So I became um, uh, a frequent user of Afrin because my nose kept getting stuffed up. And what I noticed was that my nose was more stuffed at night when cortisol was dropping. And sure enough, uh, I did some experiments using GHRP6, which causes a spontaneous rise in cortisol levels. And I could take a shot of GHRP6, a small shot, 100 micrograms, and my nose, literally within like minutes, the stuffiness would go away. And so I discovered, you know, we, we, cortisol has a role in, in, in playing uh, uh, some of the uh, liberation of glycogen, perhaps, from muscle but cortisol directly does not affect energy. Am I off on that? 
No, you, you're absolutely right. And so this is actually a, a very interesting topic because about 30 years ago, uh, and I'm spacing on the guy's name. It was uh, Jeffrey something. Let me find this guy's name real quick. Uh, man, I'm, I, I have it. I have the guy's name in my article. But it, it it'll, about, it'll come up. Good. Let's let's yeah, talk it, about it. it. Yeah. About Thirty years ago, this guy wrote sort of a seminal book on um, basically his theory that low cortisol levels were uh, the cause of of these fatigue syndromes. And, uh, and then prior to that, you have Hans Selye's research from the 1930s to 50s, where he kind of came up with this theory, you know, he subjected animals to ex- extreme stress. And then what he happened to be looking at, and sort of based on his theories in the time, and again, keep in mind, this is from the 1930s and 50s, this isn't exactly recent research. Um, he, he was basically looking at the hormonal responses to extreme stress. And so what he found is that when animals are subjected to these really extreme stresses, like shocking them in their cage and, you know, making it so they can't do anything about it, um, basically torturing them, he found that after a certain period of time, certain amount of weeks or months, um, that they, they had this kind of hormonal response where cortisol level and cortisol levels and, and some of the catecholamines that you mentioned increase and then they decrease over time and they get to a point where, you know, the animal's health totally declines, or maybe they even dies. And then prior to that, you know, the hormones decline. So he came up with this sort of theory, that was sort of the origination of this idea that cortisol, uh, that that these hormones and cortisol in particular, um, are are the cause of those symptoms that the animal is is experiencing. And so then this guy, Jeffrey something, I, I think is his name, wrote a book kind of talking about his theory of these fatigue syndromes, being caused by low cortisol levels and how he was administering hydrocortisone and that was helping people, um, so he claimed. And then we had uh, in, two th- in 1999, we had James Wilson write the book where he first coined the term adrenal fatigue, and it was all really based on those guys' research. So really just kind of people being enamored with this idea that cortisol is part of the stress response system and it seems to have an effect on regulating blood sugar and doing other things like serving as an anti-inflammatory and affecting immune function and things like that. And so because it's part of this stress response system, if we have chronic stressors, it wears that system out. And then that's the source. Yeah, but but the idea that it was just cortisol when there's so many of the hormones at play and maybe the stress disrupts the hypothalamus or the pituitary or both and, and all downstream hormones are affected then. Yeah, because, exactly. because stress stress reduces sex hormones. So maybe sex hormones are the reason for fatigue. Exactly right. And I'm glad you brought this up because this, this is exactly what I'm getting at, is that people became enamored with this particular little sliver of the pie. They became, you know, the, the body is a very complex system of dozens of different organs and, and hormones and neurotransmitters. There are lots of things <laughs> that impact on our energy levels. It's, it's certainly not just cortisol. And there's really no research to, to indicate that cortisol is sort of the primary regulator of our energy levels. Far from it. So um, what, what I am saying along the lines of what you're getting at is, is really that people became, in, a, in I think, a very unwarranted way that was not supported by good scientific evidence, fascinated and enamored with this theory that cortisol is the, the thing that's sort of causing fatigue and regulates our energy 
And so that's what all of our energy should be focused on is fixing the adrenals and cortisol levels. And I think it's been, um, it's been a pursuit in just totally ineffective therapies that are, that are not evidence-based because it it sounds, it sounds to me very much like, uh, Ansel Keys, uh, uh, cholesterol and statin drugs. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another, you know, very yeah. When they become fa- they become fascinated with this one thing, yeah. and they ignore, they're oblivious to everything around it that surrounds it, and they're just focused on this one thing. And the other reason yeah. is because no one was talking about cortisol. So you know, hey, I'm going to talk about cortisol. I'm going to be, I'm going to introduce something novel, and it just really, you know, I, I cortisol is a, a powerful anti-inflammatory. They give you glucocorticoid drugs. To reduce inflammation, they don't give them to people to increase their energy levels. You know what I mean? It's not amphetamines. You know. Well, I, I would I would push back a little bit. There there is actually something called cortisol doping, um, where you know even in elite athletic circles, you know, for example, like Lance Armstrong and a lot of the guys on the Tour de France were doing this for a long time. Um, you, you can take corticosteroids prior to your races, and it does actually boost performance and boost energy levels. So th- there, there is a legitimate element there where some people do actually feel better when you administer Yeah, but, them. but Ari, but Ari, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> so let's this kind of pull from some strings here. Knowing what we know about the role of what cortisol actually does in the body, yeah. perhaps the energy increase is extrinsic to what it's actually doing, which is intrinsic, which is reducing inflammation, reducing uh, uh, edema, reducing cellular fluid retention, which has a role on cardiomyocytes, well, not just all all muscle tissue from functioning. So it it may, in fact, uh, affect uh, people with greater energy production, but it's not directly involved in the energy production. It's, It's more involved in the things that sap energy, the things that could be considered biological friction that take your energy away from your legs from pedaling to manage inflammation and other problems in the body. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. And there, there's lots of different mechanisms of, of, and substances that can boost energy transiently and make you feel good after you take them. And that doesn't say anything about whether those things are good substances or healthy substances or are actually addressing your underlying problems. Like you can take cocaine and, and all kinds <laughs> of stimulants and it'll boost your energy levels and make you perform better temporarily. That that doesn't speak to anything as to whether it's actually solving your problems. Right. Now, I'll I'll also mention that the idea that uh, treating people with these fatigue syndromes, for example, chronic fatigue syndrome, with uh, hydrocortisone, with basically exogenous cortisol, has actually been tested scientifically. So th- there have there have been three studies that have tested this, including one study from uh, 2001 or 2002, where they, they basically took people with chronic fatigue syndrome and did a randomized controlled study that was also a crossover study, meaning they took people who um, you know, were first the placebo group and then switched them to the, the active hydrocortisone group and vice versa. So this is basically as good as study designs get. And what they showed was that when they tracked symptoms in people taking placebo versus the hydrocortisone over time, there was basically no difference whatsoever in improvement of chronic fatigue syndrome symptoms 
uh, in the people taking the active cortisol versus versus the placebo. And, you know, I just had a thought. There is a variety of, uh, of depressive disorders which are associated with inflammation. About one-third of all people who suffer from clinical depression actually have an inflammatory disorder in the brain, in the brain that precipitates the, the depression. They would probably respond well to cortisol, to, to cortisone treatment to establish whether or not their depression is from inflammation. You could probably give them a fairly high dose for a week or two of, uh, of, a, of a corticosteroid and ask them if they feel like their mood changes. And if it does, they shouldn't be uh, prescribed SSRIs. They should be put on an anti-inflammatory diet. Yes. I, well, I definitely agree with you. And there, there's, a, there's a researcher named Charles Raison who's done uh, a lot of work specifically looking at the role of inflammation in the context of depression and uh, anti-inflammatory therapies and specifically uh, sauna therapy he's looked at uh, in, in that context and has actually shown that it's specifically the people with depression that have elevated very strongly elevated inflammation that actually respond the best to sauna, which tends to lower uh, baseline inflammation levels. So there's definitely a link there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I want to take a break. When we come back, can we start to talk about ways for people to try to fix their own problem here? Because obviously the medical orthodoxy has them caught in between. Uh, Those who say it doesn't exist, those who say it does exist. And the reality is they should be on a completely different path entirely, okay? Yep, sounds good. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Superhuman Radio. What if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right. Six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try. Just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to EFXSports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again, that's EFXSports.com. Hi, I'm Ashley Grace, co-founder of HM Company. Hemp CBD improved my life so much that I started H-Hemp Company to help others naturally feel better. You don't have to have had a severe brain injury like me to benefit from H-Hemp Company products. If you're struggling to feel better, calm your brain, or better deal with daily stress and want to do so naturally, please try H-Hemp Company products. Search H-Hemp Company and use code SHR for 20% off and free shipping. That's H-Hemp Company and code SHR. What if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right. Six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try. 
Just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to EFXSports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again, that's EFXSports.com. You've got your devices and apps that track your activity, workout, sleep, and diet. You have your medical records and blood work. All this data and none of it is integrated, so you can see a true snapshot of just what progress you're making and where. Now you can securely centralize all this data and become the CEO of your health. Heads Up Health gives you powerful dashboards, charts, and tools to connect all your data into meaningful information. One seamless platform. Go to headsuphealth.com today. Use code SHR and get 20% off your subscription. That's headsuphealth.com and use code SHR. Be dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert, but this is no ordinary dessert. With 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia, these bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars. Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. We're talking with Ari Witten, and his website is theenergyblueprint.com. That's T-H-E. E-N-E-R-G-Y. There are two E's in it. TheEnergyBlueprint.com. You can find this article in full. Is adrenal fatigue real? If you think you suffer from adrenal fatigue or you have chronic fatigue and you're looking for answers, why you feel the way you do. Um, there's a lot out there and there's a lot of misinformation. And what Ari has done is all the heavy lifting and put together all the research for you. And uh, you can educate yourself. So, um, when, like I said earlier in the show, the people that I've come in contact with who claim to have adrenal fatigue are tired in the morning and wide awake in the evening. And I just think in their case, their adrenal uh, function is flipped. And there's a lot of reasons that could happen, you know, staying up late, eating late at night and all these other things. Um, what portion of the people fall into that category? And then what portion of the people uh, have something else going on? Yeah, this is a, a great question. And I, I, I want to, there's, there's some nuance here that needs to be built out. So first of all, I'm not saying when I'm saying adrenal fatigue as a condition is not real. I am not saying that cortisol abnormalities do not exist. Cortisol abnormalities absolutely do exist. Um, obviously, we talked about true adrenal insufficiency, where the adrenals genuinely are incapable of producing enough cortisol. That's a real condition, but very rare, unrelated to adrenal fatigue. Now, there, there are conditions where you have, for example, elevated cortisol levels. Any type of chronic stress, for the most part, is going to be associated with slightly elevated uh, cortisol levels. But there's also a situation, which is what you're referring to, which is called um, basically a flattened diurnal curve of cortisol, or H, sometimes called HPA axis dysregulation as a, as a broad umbrella term. And often what you can see, and this applies to a subset of people uh, who have 
sometimes they have fatigue syndrome. Sometimes they have this curve without any symptoms whatsoever. Um, but you will, you will sometimes see lower morning cortisol levels still within normal range. We're not talking about true adrenal insufficiency, We're talking about slightly lower morning cortisol levels and sometimes slightly elevated evening cortisol levels. So the reason this is called a flattened diurnal curve is because normally cortisol is, you see a big spike in the morning, uh, something called a cortisol awakening response. You get a big surge of cortisol and then it declines over the rest of the day and is low in the evening and at night. Sometimes you, people can get this flattened curve where they don't have as strong of an increase in the morning and they have more in the evening. Now, even in this, this scenario, and sometimes people will be told, this, this is generally the scenario where people are diagnosed with adrenal fatigue and told by their physician, you have low cortisol levels. Well, again, it's, it's not true low cortisol levels. If you measure 24-hour output of cortisol levels, it's almost always the case that these people have normal uh, total 24-hour output of, of cortisol, but they have slightly lower levels in the morning, slightly elevated evening levels. So the, the first layer of this, if somebody is, is truly obsessed with cortisol, the first layer is to say, well, now that we know that it's not, quote unquote, adrenal fatigue that is resulting in this, that, that my adrenal glands are worn out, what is actually causing this flattened diurnal curve? Well, there's a few causes of it, um, but the by far the main thing, the most common thing is circadian rhythm and sleep disruption. Mm -hmm. So if you have poor circadian rhythm habits, you don't get daytime light exposure, you don't get morning sun exposure, you don't get outdoors much during the day, and you're indoors in, in dim artificial lighting most of the day, staring at screens. Uh, and then in the evenings, if you don't wear blue blockers and actually you know, modify your light environment. So you're not getting so much blue light from artificial light sources like your cell phone and your computer and your TV and your indoor lighting, then you have a chronically disrupted circadian rhythm. And we know that that causes low morning cortisol levels and a flattened diurnal curve. So that is by far the most common uh, cause of that cortisol abnormality. Also, sleep disruption is a huge, huge cause. And we know that sleep disruption is is very common in in fatigue syndromes and we know that literally it's it's not chronic stress wearing out the adrenals if you have there, there are studies where they just ask people to do night shift work for example for a few nights or they subject people to sleep deprivation for a few nights you can instantly create those cortisol abnormalities i'm not talking about chronic stress for months or years wearing out your adrenal glands i'm talking about a few days of altering your behavior can cause lowered morning cortisol levels. If you disrupt circadian rhythm, you disrupt sleep, um, that will cause it. So another one of the biggest causes, which is extremely common in the modern world, is simply being a night owl. Yeah. So there, there's research looking at night owl chronotypes, and it's you know basically just whether you're more of a night person or a morning person, and they compare the cortisol levels in night owls versus morning people. And what they show, and, and keep in mind, I'm talking about people without symptoms, no fatigue syndrome, just normal, healthy, regular people. Just by being a night owl, there are studies showing that you can have half, literally half of the morning cortisol levels that a morning person would have. So just that one thing by itself, just if you're a person who goes to bed at midnight or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. as opposed to 9 p.m., um, and you might also 
you be sleep deprived a little bit, and you might also uh, not have very good circadian rhythm habits with. Are you there? Because I, I feel like we dropped you just now. Can you hear me, Ari? Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to run a quick commercial. I'm going to run a quick commercial break, and we're going to reconnect with Ari. We'll keep him right there. Stay tuned. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in CanSee eye drops. I've been using CanSee for six months now, and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is I've been using CanSee eye drops for 11 years now, and I credit CanSee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. CanSee eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse Cansey eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how Cansey eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon One. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon One. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one.com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon One banner ad today. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You, too, can benefit from Live On Labs' lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. What if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right. Six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try. Just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to EFXSports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again, that's EFXSports.com. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. Don't hate us because we feel good. Welcome back. We've got Ari back on the line. I don't know what happened. Can you hear me, Ari? 
Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. I can see your big muscular chest too. No, now you disappeared. Now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, I was so on the video to, to we we yeah. dropped we dropped the internet here at the studio, which happens periodically because we have a spectrum, which has become the nightmare of my life. But anyway, oh, um, you were saying. I'm sorry. Do you remember where you got dropped off? Because I don't. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, basically I was talking about the real causes of, of low morning cortisol levels. Yes. So I don't know how much you heard before I dropped off. Well, just but, go ahead and repeat uh, them to be on the safe side. Okay. So basically the, the most common causes of a flattened diurnal curve in cortisol and low morning cortisol and, and or sometimes elevated evening levels of cortisol is circadian rhythm disruption. Circadian okay. rhythm is this uh, internal clock that we have in our brains. Mostly there's also some peripheral clocks, but we have basically a 24-hour clock in our brain in a, in a part of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus that regulates our sleep and wake cycles. And the primary, uh, the, the primary signal that affects that circadian clock and keeps it functioning optimally is light exposure. So the problem is in the modern world that we live in a world where we have very, very poor circadian rhythm habits, very poor light exposure habits. Most of us don't get outdoors much. We don't get morning sunlight exposure, which is the, the primary thing that times the clock. Uh, and we don't we, and we get way too much uh, evening light exposure from artificial light sources, TVs, computers, cell phones, tablets, indoor lighting all these uh, light sources that are emitting light in the blue spectrum uh, that is affecting our circadian clock and basically telling that circadian clock in the brain, it's daytime, the time to be awake, alert, active, energetic, right? So that chronic, um, you know, basically that modern light environment and those, uh, that, that chronic disruption of our circadian rhythm dysregulates our cortisol levels throughout the day. We're supposed to have this surge in morning cortisol levels and decline throughout the rest of the day. Well, that is largely a function that's regulated by your circadian clock in your brain. So when the circadian clock is being chronically disrupted by the modern world we live in, then you it gets reflected in the, the cortisol levels throughout the day. So quite honestly, I mean, if you just consider that and you consider how common it is for people to have poor circadian rhythm habits, it's actually remarkable that most people still have pretty normal cortisol levels. Well, and, and, and I'll tell you something, and I just had a conversation with a buddy of mine that I grew up with. I said, you know, I, I drank a lot of alcohol over the holiday. And for me, a lot of alcohol was, I probably had two glasses of red wine four or five days in a row. And I said, and it's really amazing how it taxes me and he said, yeah, he goes, you know, I really don't notice anything. I said, well, you know, he doesn't train. He's a great guy. He doesn't train. He doesn't have to train. He, he has a farm. He works all day long. But he doesn't train. And I said, well, you know, Joe, I go to the gym and I test myself like five days a week. And I can see a definite change in my strength and muscle endurance when I've had a couple glasses of wine the night before. Yeah. And so to your point, I think that. Unless you're one of us who's actually experienced what it feels like to be optimally engaged with your body, that your body is literally firing like an athlete on all cylinders, you have no concept of what it feels like not to be. And, and the analogy I've given for years on this show is if you have a crystal clear glass of water and drop one drop of 
black Indian ink into it, it is very obvious that there is ink in there. But if you have muddy water and you drop ink in there, you can't even tell where the ink went. So if your if your body is used to running at 50% capacity, you don't even know you have fatigue because you don't know what it feels like not to. Yep, 100%. That's a, that's a great analogy. So, yeah, it's, it is absolutely the case that, that people who are generally healthy notice those little deviations. So, for example, if I have one night, uh, you know, where I go out with friends and, and stay out till midnight or, or 1230 instead of, you know, in a, in a crappy light environment, and then I don't get to sleep till 130, and then my sleep is, is not as good as normal and not during the normal times, I absolutely 100% noticed that in my energy levels the following day and my performance in the gym. And yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. Why? So wh- when when they discovered this, uh, you know, cortisol phenomenon, I can't understand why they didn't think about the thyroid because, uh, as you pointed out a second ago, it just takes a one night. It doesn't take a, like a lot of disruption. One of the earliest studies I read on thyroid stimulating hormone dysregulation was probably 10 years ago on. Uh, new doctors who were uh, interning and they were working three day shifts. And so someone had the good uh, uh, foresight to do a thyroid hormone test with them. And they put them on, uh, they, they, they watched their shift. They took uh, TSH levels, T3 and T4 levels upon entering the hospital for their shift. And then after each evening of poor sleep, and within one night, within one friggin' night, their TSH dropped by 90%. Yeah. One night of disrupted sleep. Yep. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, there's, there's research on sleep deprivation and the, the, the hormonal impacts of sleep deprivation, and it, it shows widespread hormonal impacts. So, you know, to, to your point earlier where you said, you know, kind of why are people so uniquely focused on cortisol? It's not as if cortisol is the only thing regulating our energy levels um, or is even the primary thing regulating our energy levels. Um, it, uh, this is the case, too, is that when you have sleep disruption or circadian rhythm disruption, you have literally dozens <laughs> of, of hormones and neurotransmitters and various, you know, biochemicals in your body that are disrupted from that. So right. it just it doesn't make sense to focus on any one in particular and say, ah, this is the, the one cause of this of these symptoms. It's you, any, any symptom that you have or condition that you have is going to correlate with dozens of different kinds of biochemical abnormalities. So I'm generally not a fan of the kind of like biochemical reductionism or hormonal reductionism that so many people are trying to, to do out there where they're saying, oh, this symptom is caused by this hormone or that hormone. I, I, I think when one thing is wrong in the body, it, it, it's never just one thing. Right. It's, it's always a whole system-wide dysregulation across multiple systems of the body and involves multiple different biochemicals. But those are ultimately just the things that are correlates that are signaling molecules in that condition. They're not the cause of it. The cause of it in this case of, let's say, the symptoms associated with low energy levels, it's not cortisol levels. It's the factors that disrupted the cortisol levels, which are affecting not just the cortisol, but many, many other things. For example, mitochondrial function, various systems in the brain, um, neurotransmitters like orexin and various various other neurotransmitters. There's, there's so many layers of what's going on on a biochemical level. 
I think it's way more instructive to look at what's going on at the level of the environment and lifestyle. Right. No, I agree with you. So real, real quick, just in like the next 10 minutes or so, if someone suspects or they want to determine whether or not their fatigue is coming from this dysregulated lifestyle, what do you tell people to do and for how long in, in order to reestablish uh, appropriate energy levels during the waking hours or the locomotive period, like the uh, scientific industry likes to call it, versus the sleep period? Yeah, well, let me, so let, let me answer this more broadly. So we've talked a lot about cortisol and adrenal function, HPA axis function. Having said all of that, you know, let me go back to what I said earlier, which is that most people, the vast majority of people with these fatigue syndromes, with energy problems, uh, have perfectly normal cortisol levels. They don't have any, any cortisol or adrenal abnormalities. So I, I think, first of all, it is a mistake to try and fix the fatigue by trying to fix your adrenal function or your cortisol levels. Um, most of the research, the most compelling explanation for when somebody actually does have any cortisol abnormality, it's something that is arising secondarily. It's what's called an epiphenomenon, usually as a result of circadian rhythm and sleep disruption. And so I don't think that you want to try to fix the fatigue by fixing your adrenal, by, by putting all your energy and focus into fixing your adrenal function and cortisol levels. So that I think the, the, the broader picture is what are the, the if, if it's not cortisol levels and adrenal problems, what are the causes of fatigue? And, you know, as you pointed out earlier, it's there's multiple different kinds of etiology, multiple causes and, um, and and sort of triggers for different people. So the way I break this down is you have circadian rhythm and sleep and light exposure habits, uh, which are a, a big trigger for many, many people with with energy problems. You have nutritional causes, deficiencies, toxicities, just poor diet in general. That also relates to gut health. And there's a lot of research actually linking things like gut permeability and lipopolysaccharide exposure. That's endotoxin, a particular kind of toxin uh, from certain kinds of bacteria in the gut that are leaking into the bloodstream in excessive amounts. Uh, and so there's research in chronic fatigue syndrome, for example, showing that that's occurring um, and showing that, you know, people working on their gut health can can uh, reverse or even cure their, their symptoms in chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, there's also research at the brain level. So uh, there's some research from, for example, a researcher named Ashok Gupta uh, looking at limbic system dysfunction from chronic stress, chronic psychological and emotional stress, uh, and how that affects the brain. And there's also something called uh, a, a, a theory called limbic kindling, which is basically the idea that uh, the stress response centers of the, of the brain become kind of hypersensitized to stress, and then you become very, very fragile. So I think there's, you know, brain dysfunction that's occurring, gut dysfunction, you know, nutritional issues, circadian rhythm and sleep issues. There's also toxins, uh, you know, for example, heavy metals, various other kinds of toxins are directly linked with mitochondrial damage. Iron, uh, and, iron, and, and iron, iron, iron. I predict that iron is a silent killer of most yes, people I, over 40. And it leads to a real uh, a type of fatigue that is you can feel your muscles ache. They, they produce they, they, they burn faster. Just reaching up and and removing a light bulb overhead your shoulders feel fatigued within minutes this is from iron overload a lot of people 
don't understand that the epidemiological levels for iron are not necessarily what is good for you individually. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Iron overload is definitely a trigger for many people, especially men. So yeah, along with various kinds of environmental toxins, heavy metals from the food supply, air pollutants, pollutants in the water, chlorine disinfection byproducts, fluoride, which is directly affecting thyroid function. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of layers to this. I also think uh, hormesis, which is transient metabolic stress. Uh, and, and so things like obviously exercise, heat exposure, like saunas, cold exposure. So uh, temperature stress, fasting, uh, various kinds of phytochemicals, breath training. So what's called hypoxia hormesis um, uh, and, and how that impacts mitochondrial function, which to, to summarize that very quickly, basically all of those types of metabolic stress stimulate the mitochondria to grow bigger and stronger. And be, and the mitochondria are literally your energy producing units at the cellular level. These are, these are what, what are responsible for producing the vast majority of the energy that powers virtually all of the trillions of cells in your body. So um, you have these kinds of environmental stressors, hormetic stressors, that are responsible for keeping your mitochondria big and powerful and, and producing more of them so that they can produce energy abundantly. Well, the problem in, in the modern lifestyle, in the modern environment that we live in, is that we're lacking all of those layers of hormetic stress. So our mitochondria literally shrink in size. We lose mitochondria over time. They become weak, little, fragile uh, energy generators in our cells, and we, we don't have as many of them. And, and there's research, for example, showing that in most people, especially people who don't exercise, they lose literally half of their mitochondria from the ages of 40 to 70. So uh, of their... So I also believe that there's a similar reduction from the ages of 20 to 40, that people probably also lose about half of their mitochondrial capacity from those ages too. So, and it's specifically occurring in people who don't do hormetic stress and don't exercise is that their mitochondria are shrinking and shriveling and atrophying. So, you know, it's funny going back to this thing of kind of people being enamored with this theory around cortisol. Cortisol is not the main thing regulating our energy levels right there's something that is quite quite a bit more obvious of a place to look which is the things inside of our cells that are actually responsible for producing energy, energy right. right and which are mitochondria and interestingly enough there is actually a lot of research now supporting the idea that there is mitochondrial dysfunction in chronic fatigue syndrome and that mitochondria are a huge player in in energy issues and uh and you know in this is kind of a whole topic in and of itself, but Robert Navio's research, who's a um, mitochondrial researcher at the University of California, San Diego, he's done absolutely groundbreaking, brilliant research. I think some of the most important research in the last 50 years. Uh, he's shown that mitochondria are not just these sort of mindless energy generators like we were taught in high school and college biology classes, but they're actually exquisitely sensitive environmental sensors. And they are the things that are picking up on what's going on in the environment. Are, is this a toxic environment? Are we being exposed to toxins or pathogens or various kinds of stressors? And they are modulating gene expression at the cellular level. They're literally sending signals back to the nucleus of the cells, which contains your, your DNA, and modulating you know, the, the, the gene expression of things like 
you know, what's happening with, with inflammation, what's happening with immune function and what's happening with detoxification and what's happening with energy production. So mitochondria, I think are an extremely important part of the story. And I think supporting mitochondrial health through all of those layers that I just talked about through nutrition, circadian rhythm, detoxing, getting rid of some of these toxins, the BPA and heavy metals out of your body and, uh, um, modulating, optimizing brain health and all these other layers of the story that I just mentioned, that is the big key to optimizing your energy levels and overcoming fatigue. And the problem with this discussion is that the medical orthodoxy and the pharmaceutical agenda have brainwashed people into thinking that diseases are just monoliths. This is all it is. That's all it is. This one thing. And I was jokingly going to say tongue-in-cheek, so what you're saying is the one thing that someone has to do to uh, uh, eradicate uh, chronic fatigue is get their lives straightened out, literally. Like, and Because and, everybody wants the one – well, what's the one thing? What's the one thing, Ari? What's the one thing? Well, yeah. you just have to change your life, and that is actually a lot of things. Sleep, <laughs> activity levels, nutrition – uh, you know, it's it's like, and that is why most people will abandon the idea of correcting this problem. Because if you're feeling chronic fatigue right now, chances are it began years ago, and you only caved in now because the body has been trying to make up for your crappy lifestyle for so long. And quite yep. frankly, it's not going to go away in a week. You may feel better in two or three weeks. But it's not going to completely go away. Maybe for a year, you have to do the, and and you should be living the the right life anyway. It shouldn't be oh, I'll do this for a year until I get better, then I'll go back and crap on myself. Yep, one hundred percent. And and yes, I think just this is kind of a fascinating thing about human psychology, and a very unfortunate thing is that we all seem to kind of be enamored with the idea that it's this one thing. And you know, there's so many theories out there. Uh, and so much of medical research revolves around, oh, what's the one thing in Alzheimer's disease that's causing Alzheimer's disease? Oh, it's, you know, the beta amyloids and this let's let's create a drug that interrupts this, you know, specific enzyme involved in the synthesis of beta amyloid. There, there's so much of that kind of reductionist thinking that's searching for the one cause. Uh, I think in the context of, you know, in the context of virtually all of the chronic disease that we see in the world today, that is a result of disease, you know, these are diseases of civilization, they're diseases of nutrition and lifestyle. I think that sort of reductionist, myopic, one thing focused uh, approach to trying to, uh, you know, fix it, I think is almost always a huge mistake and is deeply misguided. So, Let's summarize. Uh, well, no, 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 I forget about it. We have summarized. What I'd like to say is what's going on with you in the near future? Where can people meet you? Or do you have any upcoming lectures? Anything new? I have uh, the next big launch of the Energy Blueprint program. I, I do. I release it in launches because, you know, we have a live coaching component of it, too. As, as people go through the program, uh, you know, they're getting coaching in the Facebook members group and uh, and I do live Q&A calls with people as they're as they're going through the program. So that's happening in March of next year, so in a few months from now. Excellent. And people can just go to uh, your website, the energy blueprint. 
energyblueprint.com to learn more about this, right? Yeah, go to the energyblueprint.com. If anybody's interested in, you know, exploring the research on this whole subject of, of adrenal fatigue in, in depth, I highly recommend going to my article on my site, just kind of Google uh, the energy blueprint or Google my name and is adrenal fatigue real? And that'll come up and, you know, there's just an amazing sort of compilation of all of these 79 studies that have been conducted over the last 25 years. Uh, so if you want to explore that, do that. And then if you want, uh, you know, a free training on how to actually start overcoming fatigue and increase your energy levels, that's, you know, very practical, free training on how to actually accomplish that. You can go to the energyblueprint.com forward slash virtual training and just virtual uh, hyphen training. There you go. Listen, all right. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Carl. And we'll talk to you soon. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, we don't have a second hour, and uh, so we're taking off. Tomorrow's the uh, Blueprint Power Hour. I'm not having surgery tomorrow. My surgery was pushed back. I'll fill you in tomorrow during the Blueprint Power Hour, so tune in then. Thanks for listening today. <laughs>